churches are not perfect. In fact, it's unfair to assume that they should be. The church is simply a collection of struggling human beings trying to grow in the faith together. But comparing the early church to today, we see that things can still wildly miss the mark. From being too uncomfortable to say no or walk away from a role when necessary, to feeling like you have to wear an emotional mask to fit in, to turning church into work and never growing together in fellowship and play, there are often a lot of things to work on as a body of believers. In this Rewind special, we're talking about all of these issues and looking at how we can grow to be better. It's a new day. Yes, it is. The Back Row Morning Show. The Back Row Baptist Podcast. The morning Side Hug. The Back Row with Matt and Mo. He's Matt, I'm Mo. We're just like, hey, we got microphones. You're tuned in to the Back Row Rewind. The best of Matt and Mo. So today we are talking about, if I can get the thing to open, we're talking about four ways that the modern church looks nothing like the early church. And this comes from a uh, article on Relevant Magazine, uh, relevantmagazine.com, by Preston Sprinkle. I've always loved the last name Sprinkle. Sprinkle? A little okay then. <laughs> uh, and we've got four ways here that uh, our church today looks nothing like the church of the Bible, uh, early church times. Okay, and, I'm, uh, just what? I'm I'm concerned that I may not like this one as much as I liked yesterday's list. So I'm just gonna go ahead and say that just, and get it out just there. Preference, pref, 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 preface, preface, preface this preface. that I may be a pill this whole hour. Got it. Just saying. (laughs) Uh, The number one way that our modern church looks nothing like the early church is how we view other Christians. Uh, One uncomfortable value trumpeted by the early Christians was their view of the church as a family. The first Christians saw themselves as brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers to everyone who was part of the Christian community. This is, of course, well known to anyone who reads the New Testament. But we shouldn't read the church as family metaphor through the lens of our modern day Western family values, where our high maintenance grandparents are shuffled off to retirement homes and annoying siblings are treated as outcasts. (laughs) Uh, In the first century, a family unit extended far beyond the nuclear family and was held together by an unconditional bond of commitment and service. You didn't even have to like your relatives, but you were expected to love them. So within the context of Jesus and Paul blew open the doors of the home and welcomed in all believers as brothers and sisters. They created a new focus on the family that extended far beyond one's nuclear relatives and included people of every race and social strata and gave their allegiance to the risen Christ. So I like this because, you know, if I don't particularly care for one of my brothers or a set of my grandparents, I can choose my own brothers and grandparents. They don't have to be the ones I I was born with. I don't think that's exactly what we're saying. (laughs) That's 
that's what I got from it. Okay, but I do have a question sure. in relation to this. So I grew up in a church where it was Brother Glenn and Sister Linda. Okay. What do you like? That was like the title you called people. Yeah, everybody. Every, uh, anybody that was older than me. I guess not older than me because I didn't call the youth group that. Anyway, anyway, you get the point. Yes. Do you think that we should still be doing that? Well, some churches do. Didn't doesn't didn't Pastor Kevin, our last pastor, yeah, come from a church that did that, and it was really weird weird. for him because he wanted us to call him brother, brother Kevin. He didn't want us to call him pastor. Yeah, that was too weird. Yeah, I didn't do it either. (laughs) Even Kara occasionally would say. Go ask Brother Kevin. And I'm like, eh. Uh, no. Seems awkward. Yeah. That yeah, I mean, work. you're right. I don't like it. <laughs> but I but now what's people really. People that grew up in it. Yeah. Seem fine. But I grew up with it. And well, even. yeah, you're right. But now when, you know, we go visit Kara and Kevin and my kids still call him Pastor Kevin. And it's so awkward because they're like, hey, Pastor Kevin. What what do I call you now? <laughs> they've tried Mr. Kevin. It just doesn't sound right. They've, Mr. Kevin? Yeah, they've tried just Kevin. Still doesn't sound right. Call so Rev Kev. For the Kev end Rev of time, Kev. he will be Pastor Kevin. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but this is basically talking about how we don't do that too much in our churches these days. Our churches kind of become uh, like the grocery store or the movie theater. It's just... A place that we go, we do what we're there to do, and then we leave. Yeah. We don't build relationships. We don't uh, seek out to help or or uh, even check in on other people as much. It usually comes down to like a small core group within the church that actually does that. True story. Which then breeds problems like clicks and... And uh, we're the real church, and y'all are just the attenders and stuff like that. Whole bunch of different dangerous Hashtag paths. <laughs> yep. Uh, the second way that the modern church looks nothing like the other church is how we spend our money. Um, many churches today spend their revenue on salaries, building, building mortgages, and other material supplements to ministry. Look at any church budget, you'll find 1% or 2% of church funds allocated to benevolence, helping poor people in need. Uh, maybe another 5% or 10% at best is given to needs outside the church uh, that on some level help the poor. Uh, but such distribution of funds runs counter opposite to how the early church spent its money. The New Testament talks a lot about giving money, uh, but rarely, if ever, talks about giving towards salaries. And it never mentions giving money toward a building for what it's worth. It also never mentions giving 10%, which is still a staple value in modern churches, which we talked about last Thursday. Um, when the New Testament talks about giving, it refers to redis- redistributing money to the poor, usually poor believers outside the church walls. Now, that word scares a lot of us uh, who tend to lean more conservative politically, re- redistributing money. We're, we're not talking about... Letting the church take your money and distribute it. We're talking about you willingly offering your money to be 
given to the poor. Anyway. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's usually focused on giving the poor poor believers outside the church walls. Uh, you see this in Romans 15, 1 Corinthians 16, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. When Paul declares, uh, God loves a cheerful giver, for instance, it was in the context of Gentile churches giving money to poor Jewish believers living in Jerusalem. Uh, in fact, Paul spilled more ink talking about giving to poor people than he did on the doctrine of justification by faith. So Jesus said, uh, Jesus himself said that giving to the poor is one of the main criteria of genuine faith <clears throat> and the primary means by which he'll sort out the wicked from righteous uh, on judgment day. So <laughs> if you didn't catch that part, that was a heavy part right there. <laughs> that giving to the poor is one of the main criteria of genuine faith and the primary means by which he'll sort out the wicked from righteous on judgment day. Uh, you can see that in Matt 25, 31 through 46. Woo. <laughs> you know. So at this point, at where we're at, you know, of course we have to pay, you know, church salaries. We have to yeah. pay church mortgages. We have to do that. We're in a situation where this is how the church is now. Yeah. So at this point, it comes down now to the individual being more willing to go above and beyond their normal giving to the church to give more to the outreach ministries, the benevolence ministries and things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, the third way that the modern church looks nothing like the early church is how we think about power. This kind of comes down to a American slash Christian situation, you know, because we, we as America tie in our faith a lot with our American traditions and values, such as like the military or politics. Mm -hmm. Everything seems to be tied into one big thing. Uh, but but especially like the military, Mil militarism profoundly shapes American values. That's mm -hmm. just the way it's always been. It's not necessarily bad, but it is very different from the way the early church was, where we really see no real call to any kind of uh, needing to weaponize or, um, you know, have have some sort of army ready to ready to defend this or that mm -hmm. um, early church was non-militaristic uh, early Christians were never fascinated with the power of Roman military uh, they clung to the rhythm of the cross where evil is conquered not by swords and spears but by suffering and love uh, the most quoted verse among early Christians was Jesus's command that we should love our enemies in Matthew 544 uh, it was it was what Matthew 5.44 was pretty much what John 3.16 is to us today. It was like the most often quoted thing back mm -hmm. then. And so, of course, you know, we're, we're in this situation where we feel like, oh, of course, we can't love all of our enemies. We can't love ISIS. Can't love Al-Qaeda. You know, we get that feeling. Of there's just, you know, And, of course, we can't just say... Get rid of the military. And that's not right. what this article is trying to say either. It's not trying to say uh, it's we're worse. It's not trying to say that we need to go back to that or that we even could. Mm -hmm. It's just these are the differences. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we, you know, we celebrate. And this is something that some people have started to take issue with as of late in the last decade or so that I've noticed anyway. Mm -hmm. Is that we celebrate a lot of America stuff on Sunday morning. 
like when we're close to the big holidays like fourth of july or veterans day memorial yeah. day we usually dedicate a large part of our sunday morning worship service true to lifting up military people yeah which there's no doubt that they should be honored but is that the right place is that the right time yeah you know that's a question that a lot of people have raised up we're 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 intermixing our Americanness a little too much with our faith. Yeah. Above all. So that's a discussion for another time, though. I'm sure that could branch out into many different areas. Probably. The last way that our modern church looks nothing like the early church is how we study the Bible. Uh, the early church valued corporate study of the Bible, where you did it with a, a group of people, a small mm -hmm. group of people. And this was legitimate in-depth studies now of course we have bible studies in our churches and we have we try to have discipleship classes and things of that nature but at the same time christians today are experiencing kind of an unprecedented level of biblical uh illiteracy like we don't know things like we just had that list yesterday of all these things that people in America, mm -hmm. Christians in America, think right. are in the Bible that aren't. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them glaringly obvious that you could read for, you know, read one one uh, gospel and you'd know that's not how things work. And uh, it's just, you know, early Christians tended to soak up the word of God like a sponge, partially because Bibles weren't everywhere. I don't know if maybe it's become a malaise that we've had that, you know, there's a Bible everywhere. You can get a free Bible from 18 different places in any town that you're at, uh, within five miles of you. And so does that make us almost in a kind of reverse supply and demand situation where, well, I know they're everywhere. So if I ever need one, I guess I'll it's go get there. one. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to early church where, you know, their copies of the scriptures were handwritten Yeah, and they didn't have you know, giant cases of Gideon's Bibles being handed out, right. you know, or anything like that. So maybe they took it a little bit more of a, as more of a uh, privilege yeah. to even have a copy. Yeah. Uh, according to one statistic, 60% of confessing born again Christians can't name five of the 10 commandments. 81% don't believe or aren't aware of the basic tenets of the Christian faith. And 12% think that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. <laughs> Mo just died a little inside. I saw, I saw about one tenth of the light go out of her eyes forever, <laughs> never coming back. That makes me so sad. <laughs> I'm, legit makes me sad. And we even learned, uh, I think it was last week, article came out uh, with a new poll showing that over half of Christian millennials think that it's wrong to evangelize, like wrong to share your faith with other people who don't believe like you do. And this is, a, and there's, there's this, and it was a staggering amount a, few, a couple months ago that didn't believe in things like hell. Yeah. And other things, common things in our faith. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's a bit, bit disconcerting. It is. What's been going on. I agree. Yeah. Really. Um, 
But yeah, there's there's a whole lot of context and a whole lot of background in this article on on these four things. Uh, I would very much encourage you to check this out. It's at relevantmagazine.com. Uh, author is Preston Sprinkle, and it is how the modern church looks nothing like, or four ways, sorry, four ways the modern church looks nothing like the early church. Give it a full read, uh, and then check out the rest of the stuff over on Relevant. Uh, they're not a sponsor. We just uh, like a lot of what they put out. You're listening to the Back Row Rewind, the best of Matt and Moe. Hey everyone, I'm Radio Matt, and this is Reviews of the Nerds. Okay, this is a first for Reviews of the Nerds, but today I'm reviewing a company, Sticker Mule. Now, disclaimer, this is not a paid advertisement at all. I just really, really love this company. There is no shortage of places online to get custom stickers made, but there are a few that make themselves more affordable and accessible with the best quality I've ever seen than Sticker Mule. First of all, the stickers are thick, vinyl, waterproof, even dishwasher proof. And yet, when you want them peeled off, it's simple and clean. It's the kind of sticker that literally all stickers should be, and this quality is seen in all versions of their product, from the original vinyl to the holographic stickers, the clear stickers, labels, sticker sheets, all of it. And probably one of the best things about their stickers is that they don't fade in the sun. I have a cool sticker of my red Among Us character on my car. It's been there nearly a year without any fading whatsoever. The second thing that makes them stand out is the deals. Every week they offer at least one deep discount on one of their products. The most common, of course, is their original vinyl stickers. Normal pricing for a stack of 50 3x3 stickers is 72 bucks. But on a deal week, you can pick up the same thing for 29 bucks. That's a $43 discount. The discount is bigger than the ending price. But let's say you only need a handful of these special stickers, or maybe you have an idea that you want to see in person before you commit to 50 or more. Sticker Mule is one of the very few companies that will print you a sample batch at a reasonable price. 10 3x3 sample stickers is only $9. And stickers isn't all they offer. They have pins, keychains, packaging, packaging tape, and, well, they have their own hot sauce, too. I've been using Sticker Mule exclusively for five years now, making several dozen orders of various products in that time. I have yet to be disappointed in a single thing. No other company in my life has my personal 100% satisfaction rate. Sticker Mule is perfect for churches, streamers, businesses of all size, artists, and anybody who hasn't yet outgrown the love of plastering stickers all over your water bottles, phone cases, laptops, and anything else that needs a little sprucing up. Check them out at StickerMule.com. And remember, stickers aren't just for kids anymore. I'm Radio Matt, and this has been Reviews of the Nerds. of Matt and Moe. Today, we are talking about those never-ending church programs, groups, or ministries. Uh, there are a lot of things that you can sign up for or volunteer for in the church uh, of the Christian community that are temporary. You know, Bible studies, mission trips, seasonal activities, VBS. There's a huge list of things that have an ending point at some point. But there are just as many programs and groups that go on forever. 
you know. And when you volunteer for one of those, you often feel like you will be trapped in that position forever. Mm -hmm. Sometimes Bible study groups meet every week going through one study. And when that's over, they just start a new one. It's not over. The group doesn't end. Uh, You can join Celebrate Recovery like we do. That meets every single week for eternity. Uh, Until you die. (laughs) die. Uh, If you join the nursery team at church, you know, there's always going to be a need for the nursery. So how do you quit that without hurting everybody's feelings? You say, uh, (laughs) my kids are in Sunday school now. That's where I serve. (laughs) I only care about where my kids are, not about everybody else's kids. Exactly. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with those kind of programs or groups. Uh, Like I said, Celebrate Recovery is a group like that. We meet every single week, even on holidays. Uh, We hold those on Thursday, which means that we're here on Thanksgiving. If Christmas falls on a Thursday, we're here for that, too. Uh, And it can be exhausting. And unfortunately, when you join programs like this or maybe a Bible study group with close friends, uh, the thought of leaving makes you worry about hurting feelings or dropping an extra burden on the people staying in the program. Um, And I'm just realizing that (laughs) this kind of sounds like something that happened recently. Uh Yeah. (laughs) Even though you said nothing would change. Listen here. <laughs> uh, so the first question: oh, Did you just hit the microphone with I your did. face? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you kicked it with your foot. Your head jerked up. I thought you smacked it with your face. I thought it was falling. <laughs> oh, that would have been so. Much <laughs> I just fell asleep. <laughs> oh goodness! All right, I'm here, everybody. I'm here. All right. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> Have you ever had to leave a church program or Bible study that planned to go forever? Uh, Or do you know someone who has? (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, okay, you see, you you moved on to a new church. Uh uh, And you're, I mean, you're the regional director, right? Yeah. Regional director. So you kind of have your hand in a lot of different CRs, Mm -hmm. theoretically. I'm supposed to. (laughs) I feel like I got a lot more CR emails when Sippy was in charge. (laughs) Listen. You be quiet. They're listening. I know. (laughs) Shut up. Shut up. Don't say anything else. Just close out the show. Close out the show. Go to black. (laughs) And we're done. (laughs) Uh, But anyway. You're not getting that? must be going to spam. You, <laughs> you need, need to check. check your spam folder. <laughs> Send them every other day at least. Man, Sometimes I'm, twice a day. Right? I'm, <laughs> Matt, something's going on. Make sure that you don't have me blocked or something. <laughs> uh, oh, goodness. All right. Well, I know in, in 2015, I think it was. Yeah. 2015, uh, I went to the CR Summit for the first time. And when I came back, I immediately decided I wanted to take a break from CR <laughs> for a year. <laughs> but it had nothing to do with the summit. It had all to do with my priorities and where I was at. And, you know, we had just had Elijah mm-hmm. uh, the year before. And he was getting to that, you know, that one-year-old stage where, gosh, I don't know what he's doing. And I don't know how I'm supposed to cope with all this. And I really needed to focus on learning how to be a dad. Um, in addition to the several other church responsibilities I had, I'm just like, I got to take a break from CR. <coughs> so I took one year off. Um, and it was hard to tell Sippy, hey, thanks for uh, paying to get me to 
the summit. <laughs> I'm gone. Have a good year. Deuces, homie. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of what. Right. But I did uh, but I did always preface it as I'm coming back. Yeah. I'm just taking this year off. I will be back the next year. Uh so so 2016 went and they did it all by themselves. What happened? Did I had you a knee cramp. Bang Keep your, going. Oh. Keep going. <laughs> Fell asleep again and cracked your knee on the table. Um, 2016 came. 2017 came. Uh, I was back for 2017. And then, of course, 2017, Sippy was leaving. He said, I'm leaving this uh, the leadership role, the ministry leader role. I need one of you guys in the rest of the team to step up. And take the leadership role. And even though I had been gone an entire year, everybody there turned around and looked at me. Mm-hmm. Said, oh, we just assumed you were going to take over. Who else were we going to look at? Anybody. Why do I have to be the one? Because <laughs> <laughs> you've been in longest. <laughs> oh, so yeah. So I got to take over. So now I've met with the situation of, gosh, what do I do when I'm done? Mm-hmm. I don't have anybody who wants to take this over. I barely have anybody that attends our church as a leader right now. And most of them are from outside. So what do I do? Do I just keep doing this until I die? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't feel like I'm on the road for burnout yet or anything. But I'm sorry I've left you who knows? up the creek. <laughs> right? I was going to give it to Mo. There was a time. There was a time a year or so, maybe a year and a half ago, a bunch of things were going wrong. Uh, I was just having a terrible time. I'm like, I'm thinking of stepping down. I bet Mo would take it over if I guilted her into it. <laughs> <laughs> they was like, you can't do that to Mo. <laughs> you can't just say I'm done and walk away. <sighs> but, Thank you, Daedra. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's hard. It's hard to think about. I can't just... You don't want to be the person who walks away, and that means it's the end of it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, well, I guess we're not doing this anymore. Yeah. Especially when there's a lot of people that rely on it. So I don't know about that. But I know there was also like a Bible study I was attending that I wasn't getting anything out of. Mm-hmm. It was like a men's group. And they just kept doing just really shallow studies. I, know I was in there to do something or dig deep. It hurt a little. Yeah. You know, and it was just all kind of baseline junk that I've heard a thousand times. I'm like, I'm, I'm not for me, guys. I'm sorry. I'm out, guys. I'm out. But, you know, I wasn't leading it. It's yeah. a different thing. So, what are you? What about you? <laughs> I don't know what to say. What was the question? Have you ever Have you had ever to had leave? Yeah, so as you brought up for the first time last week, and I was like, oh, he, he just told everybody, okay, we this is a thing now. <laughs> um, we have left Highland and moved on to a different church and yeah. um it's not like it's a scandal it I, happens it, was a it family does decision. happen it was a family decision and you weren't run out of dodge or nothing right um <laughs> but in that process of leaving the church we left a lot of ministries that yeah. we were a part of and um had to leave being the VBS director here which yeah. really made me very, very, very sad because there's so many things about VBS that made me very, very, very happy. Specifically VBS here at Highland. Right. I mean, the number one thing is that that's how we became friends. It Truthfully. <laughs> you know, you say it jokingly. But, but it's true. It's, have, it's, had your waterfall not fallen down on that Sunday morning 
and you had to come up like two hours before church started, and I was terrified you were going to fall off the really high ladder and have to explain to Chris, hey, I let your wife die in front of me, and I didn't do anything to help her. So I had to stand underneath and hold your ladder, even though you distinctly did not ask me to. <laughs> and that's how we became friends. And I was even like, no, you don't, you don't have to do this. You don't have Please to hold it. Please get away right. from me, weirdo. Please go. <laughs> I've got this. <laughs> and I mean, like not on my watch. No see, one's dying on my watch. See, and I think even though Highland is a smaller <laughs> church and Highland, you know, we are much more on the smaller side of the Baptist churches. There were so many big opportunities here for for Chris and I and for growth within our marriage and growth within ourselves. Um, and I don't think that I'm ever going to go to another church and find as good of a quality sound man as what you are. And I appreciate that. I'll pat you on the back for that. Coming from a sound man's daughter. <laughs> um, that means something big to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if I'm hearing feedback, if I'm here or feedback, feedback's not the right word. Yeah. Feedback. Okay. Um, or the slides aren't going quick enough or something. <laughs> I am that person that turns and looks at the sound guy, but only because it was my dad all those years growing up. So I know. That's why I had to kick Sippy out of the sound booth. Really? Oh, yeah. He couldn't he worship get the, instead he would, of do the He was fo- too focused on the song. He was always like one slide behind and he wouldn't figure it out for like a minute and a half. Yeah. Everybody's staring at him. He's all, and he didn't care. He didn't care. He's like, dude, bro, that's on them. I'm here to worship God. I'm like, no, no. no. <laughs> you sign up for a job. You're here to do the job. Yeah. So everyone else can worship. Uh-huh. <coughs> okay, anyway, I, don't, I don't like this topic, Matt, because, <laughs> like... Because it's, cause it's you. I, honestly, I know. I honestly wasn't thinking about any of this when I I appreciate <laughs> you not thinking about any of this when you, you wrote the script. That's not what I meant. <laughs> um, I wasn't intending to embarrass you. But yes, it is definitely very, very difficult. difficult. And yeah. you, you are left with those thoughts of, oh gosh... I'm even with this whole state rep thing. So there's been a whole heck of a lot of stuff go on within our family, you know, and transitions. And mm-hmm. 2018 was a full year of transitions for us. Yeah. Just everything. I feel like every aspect of our life transitioned. And I wasn't able to dedicate quite as much time to being a state rep as I should have. And so I'm stuck in that limbo period of, I know I'm not doing as good of a job as I should. But how do I just walk away from it? Yeah. Do I give it to Matt? Because Matt's the only other one. Do I say, hey, Matt, want to be the state rep? <laughs> like, It's just, it. it is that whole burden of doing what you know in your heart. You're supposed to do what God is telling you to do. And then feeling like you're letting everybody else down. Yeah. 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 See, I'm glad you didn't ask me. I'm also glad Sippy didn't ask me. Because I would have said no. <laughs> I would have felt really guilty about it. But I'm like, nah, I can't. Yeah. Can't handle that much pressure. <sighs> Sending all those emails that you clearly do send every single time that you have to. Yeah, now and that I just, you I checked, checked your spam. I checked my spam folder. They're not in there. Right. <laughs> but, it, but, but my spam deletes itself every 30 days. So, I mean, it, you know, I just... <laughs> Well, and you got the one from this last week, right? That one, the one email. Yeah, you got the you one. Sent, you from... only sent one email. Hey, we only have, we only get one. Oh, okay. No, thank you. Oh, uh, what was much. this one? Uh... To be clear, I never received an email when Sippy was state rep. 
Not Seriously? One. Not I got a, a thousand one. of them every day. I had but to see, block him. So I knew that that was a complaint. <laughs> so I, I chose to not be that person. <laughs> the why is important. See? Yeah, Boom. I got that one. Yeah. There you go. Thank uh, you. Training conference in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, you're going to go to that, right? Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty much done with training things for a while. <laughs> After that last summit, I'm like, you know, I'm good. But it was so good. It was great. But it was also the same classes for me. I don't have any real new classes. I'm like, all right. All the extra stuff was fantastic. But I paid a lot of money and sat through a very gross rummage sale <laughs> to get there. Our, okay, our rummage sale. Was, you didn't sit through nothing. You stood in a horse costume by the side of the road. <laughs> I don't even want to hear that. I had to haggle with the people over prices, and I had to deal with the unhappy people on our end who had a set expectation and a set price of what certain things were going for and then got mad at me when I sold it for cheaper than that. How dare you? This is from This is from 1996. I've held on to it for all these years. It is a crude value. It's no, supposed it's to go for $20. Well, I should sold been, it for 2 okay? Should have been thrown in the garbage in 1997. But. <laughs> <coughs> no, subways are fantastic. They really are. Uh, I just don't have the patience to raise the money for it this year. Or probably for a couple of years. I think it would... Never mind. <laughs> Summits are absolutely necessary. They're always beneficial. Sure. Always. And when you, you have to, a new team, they are 100% necessary. Right. Okay, next question, Matt. I'm don't think you can. You're going to get fired? <laughs> You're going to get fired because they say you don't have to go to every single one of them? They don't expect you to go to every single one of them. Well, I expect you to because you're a state rep. and you know, having an allergy professional. attack <laughs> To your garbage. <laughs> I am not a representative celebrate recovery national team so there you go don't listen to anything i say please is there a correct way to leave a program or group that won't hurt someone's feelings or burden someone unfairly mo oh gosh (laughs) okay so you did this one of the things yeah you gave notice yeah in advance Mm, okay a a little bit in advance so (laughs) we did and we had every intention of Going to the people who needed to know. Yeah. And because I am a firm believer and you don't got to go spreading your business to everybody in the church. They'll find <laughs> out. <laughs> don't it's say true. spreading your business. <laughs> spreading your business. What? Business is another name for poop, Mo. <laughs> Only to you. you. Go do your like, business. You are the... <laughs> ah. <laughs> You're the only person who would think... <laughs> Business equates poop. It is I, Tuesday Tuesday. Golly gee. Anyway. Golly gee willikers. Golly gee willikers, Batman. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Matt, I feel so like tired. we've derailed and like our show is bad we're now. Talking, no, it's not I bad. Know. It's hilarious. <laughs> but we're definitely not on top of it. I hope, I hope our listeners think it's hilarious. Oh, okay, so when the time came for Chris and I to tell people that we were leaving, we told those who needed to know. Okay? And, or at least we tried. 
Um, but <laughs> we came to CR one night, and I told we had told the kids the Wednesday before <laughs> our decision. That's right. I forgot about this. Um, and then we came to <laughs> CR, and immediately I told Matt, "I need to chat with you at some point." want to talk to you and daedra which i am not good at receiving that kind of thing <laughs> if you got to talk to me you talk to me now there's not a i need to talk to you later thing because that's all i'm thinking about driving well, myself nuts and to be fair because it had been a year of transitions for yeah. our family matt's first instinct was great True. they're moving right i thought you were gone Absolutely. i thought you were out of here everything that i've done is going down in flames because <laughs> <laughs> mo's not going to be here anymore um Anyway, so I go in to tell Daedra, hey, I want to I wanna sit down with you and Matt. Chris and I want to sit down with you and Matt and talk to you about something. And the second that I sit down next to her, I can tell that she's mad. Like, if flames could come out of someone's ears, they were coming out of hers in that moment. And I said that and she goes, oh, does it have something to do with what your daughter just told me? <laughs> and I looked at Mila, and Mila looks at me, and she's got this half grin on her face like, I know you told me not to say anything, but... <laughs> and I said, well, what did she say? And Deidre goes, that you guys aren't coming to church here anymore? That you're going somewhere else now? <laughs> and I said, well, maybe. I'm sorry. <laughs> I felt so bad that that was how she had to find out because I didn't want for that to be the case. Uh, right. I really didn't want for that yeah, to be the case. Yeah, that and was a bit rough. Yeah, she was not happy. <laughs> that was the hardest person to have to tell. Everybody else was like, eh, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Been waiting on it. Yeah. Been waiting every day. Every day I wake up hoping maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day that we leave our church. <laughs> don't gotta deal with them anymore oh gracious all right well i don't know what we accomplished there i don't either you're listening to the back row rewind the best of matt and mo this week in nerdy news this is LTNN. And what might be one of the biggest signs of the times moments of our lives? The government of Ukraine is raising money to support their army and civilians during this time of war by selling NFTs based on the timeline of Russia's ongoing invasion. The collection is called Meta History Museum of War, and it associates blockchain tokens with a news item about every substantial event of the war and an illustration from an artist that ties to it. At the time of writing, there are 54 NFTs listed covering the first three days of the war in late February, and they should be on sale now, assuming they weren't bought up immediately. The blockchain company Fair.xyz is the platform handling these NFT sales. Ukraine Minister of Digital Transformation Mikhailo Fedorov announced the collection's launch on Twitter, boasting that while Russia uses tanks to destroy Ukraine, we rely on revolutionary blockchain tech. While we certainly hope this is a successful fundraising effort for Ukraine, chalk this up as one war story we didn't see coming. 
That was This Week in Nerdy News. I'm Radio Matt, and this is LTNN. Hey everyone, I'm Hector Mirai, and this is Faith and Fandom 180 on LTN Radio. So, the Batman did really well in theaters. People, even haters, are usually pretty honest in saying that it turned out to be a good project. And, of course, since it was a good project, we're getting spinoffs. Like, the Penguin is getting his own uh, HBO Max series, and... uh, this week, it was just announced that there is a new comic book coming, uh, which is called Riddler Year One. Now, uh, honestly, hearing that does not necessarily like fill me with like a ton of excitement. Um, it's like, yeah, that's cool, but I thought it was done really well, and I would hate to see somebody just come in and cash in and tell a story um, based on trying to make money off of a really excellent portrayal but then i looked a bit a little bit closer and saw that the person who is telling the new riddler story the riddler year one comic is paul dano himself the man who portrayed riddler and like knowing that that dude put in a ton of work into developing this character and making it into something that translated so well into film that he's the one actually writing this fills me with a lot of hope actually so you know what i decided you know i'm in i'll i'll jump in on this i'll buy those books i'll read that and see how it's going because i actually trust that this man knows how to tell a story about a character that he honestly brought to life and when we are in the place of telling a story we should be able to come with telling others about what god has done in our lives and people trust that it's actually real in john 19 35 the scripture says the man who saw it has given testimony and his testimony is true he knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that you may also believe Um, we need to be a credible source that people can see that we're actually following God, living for God, and that when we, as people who are following him, speak on behalf of what God is doing in our lives, that people say, you know what, I trust that they are a credible source based on what I see in them. Remember to catch Faith and Fandom 180 every Wednesday morning on the Back Row Morning Show only on LTN Radio. And if you'd like to learn more about Faith and Fandom, head over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcasts, memes, apparel, and book series. You can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book. I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. Listening to the Back Row Rewind, the best of Matt and Mo. Today we're examining an article from where's this from? Christianity Today. Uh, it's an article called "Churches That Play Together Stay Together" by Courtney Ellis. I'm going to read a few of these, but essentially the article is about uh, the importance of churches doing recreational things together, not just church-related things together. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So it's it's uh, in its new Households of Faith report, Barna researchers claim that one of the many reasons vibrant households stand out from others is because they engage in meaningful, fun, quality time with both their households or housemates and extended household members. That includes playing games together, thirty-two percent sharing meals, sixty-three percent eat breakfast as a family, and seventy-five percent eat dinner as a family, and enjoying other leisure activities. These uh, these are practicing Christians who know the meaning of play and indeed half call their home life playful, according to the report. So in other words, the old adage still rings true. Families that play together stay together, and more than that, exhibit signs of strong spiritual health. And so the same, where uh, the Courtney Alice is proposing, can be said about the church family. Sorry, hiccuping there. Uh, so she lists softball leagues, book, book clums, craft nights. Uh, book, book club. Book club. <laughs> Can't book talk. Clubs. Book clubs. Book clubs. All all camaraderie, compassion, collective resilience uh, for building a church body, a, re- a robust church body. Uh, Katie Nix, lead pastor at Trinity United Methodist Church in Moberly, Missouri, says our congregation is experiencing some growing edges as younger families begin to assume leadership roles. Usually, the generations become divided between gatekeepers and new people, but kickball help to break down some of the walls of fear and create relationships. I believe we avoided several potential turf wars because the two groups experienced an opportunity to play together. Uh, other pastors, too, report the unique gains of letting loose as the body of Christ. Jack, uh, Jackson Cleland, head of staff at Presbyterian Church of the Master in Mission Viejo, California, often provides opportunities for his church staff and board members to play together as a way to lay the foundation for their collaborative work as people people of God. My mentor, the late Chuck Miller, taught that we need a proper order to our relationships within the church. We need to view our colleagues as brothers and sisters and then fellow workers, said Cleland, quoting from Philemon 1-2, 1 and 2. Staff meetings at Church uh, of the Master are commonly held in a conference room, except when they're not. Uh, he said, when we want to escape, uh, we went to an escape room a month ago. Uh, we play so that we can enjoy each other beyond the tasks that we need for each other. Uh, so take a break from the article here. <clears throat> so what do you think about this so far? Essentially, the need to do more than just work. I think it makes total sense. Yeah. 100%. I think it is a good way to build um, family, mm-hmm. you know, between the body. Yeah. I think that's one of the problems that we have in a lot of churches, including a little bit in our church or on my church, your former church mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> here in Highland as well, is that we get so caught up in the things that we want to do as a church, as as ministry, as missions that we get all gung-ho about that and try to do that as fast as possible and forget about, hey, we need to kind of yeah. build the relationships here a little more. Yeah. Uh, we in the, we have maybe two game nights a year Yeah. Um, that are often just five couples. I was going to say, and kids. the same people attend. Yeah, it's the same people. If people yeah. don't make it a priority. Um, and I think that's one of the problems that we have at our church is that we have a lot of people who are just here as church members, mm-hmm. but not as a body, mm-hmm. not as, as a family. Yeah. 
which is sad, which breaks my heart uh, because it didn't always, it wasn't always like that. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was a kid, uh, when I was a teenager and first started coming to this church, they did stuff all the time. Uh, now, of course, church softball is not their fault because we have a league here in town that is in and out. It works some years. It doesn't the other years. Yeah. Uh, we've participated in that sometimes. Uh, the last time, I think, was the year that Deidre was pregnant with Eli, though, and that was six years ago. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, we just we don't do enough, I don't think, to to build up that camaraderie that, mm-hmm. you know, to laugh together, to have fun together, mm-hmm. uh, to find commonality that way. Mm-hmm. It's just all about work. Yeah. Volunteering. Mm-hmm. Do something. Get plugged in. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I, I think it is 110% necessary. I think every church needs to play together in order to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we need to be able to take down those kind of ideas and stipulations of what church means. You know, we come, we sing a few songs, we listen to a message, we have an altar call. You know, and that that's what we do. We read the Bible and we're done. Okay. Um, but take down those, those stipulations and just say, let's just be together as a family. You know? Let's have breakfast together once a month. We'll all work together. Everybody bring something and we'll come an hour before Sunday is supposed to start and we'll have breakfast together as a family. And then we'll continue on with our Sunday day. Yeah. You know, Um, but I think what ends up happening far more often than not is there's a group of people who see the need and not only just as the body, but see the need in their own personal life and they invest in that. But then there's a large amount of people who don't invest in it and don't think that that's what the church is for. Mm -hmm. And so it ends up becoming almost a click of the same people who would meet together on a Saturday night at a friend's house and have a game night, Yeah, you know, and in that case, well then let's just have a game night at my house on Saturday night. Yeah, you know, it, it it's a hard road to navigate. Yeah, I know that we tried to do like a men's video game night yeah. and stuff every uh, every now and then every few months, and the first couple ones were fantastic. Mm-hmm. But then we have you have one night where very few people show up, and then for some reason that kills it. Yeah. And we never do it again. Yeah. Because we think uh, nobody cares anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe it just was a bad night for a lot of people. Who knows? Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's disheartening. Yeah. <clears throat> I think one of the things that I, I've been encouraged about through uh, Love Thy Nerd, mm-hmm. the, the ministry that uh, our buddy Bubba Stalkup is a part of, is that, you know, they try and have regular game nights with their church body. Yeah. You know, and they offer it up as a just come. Whenever, come, uh, stay as long as you want, mm-hmm. bring games, don't bring games, whatever. We've got stuff here. Just come and hang out with us. Yeah. And they leave that open. They don't specifically invite any specific group of people or anything. It's just a, if you want to come, come. Sometimes they have a lot of people. Sometimes they don't. But they're always there. They always do it. Yeah. They do this thing. I don't know how regularly. I, I want to say it's once a month, but it might be once a week. I don't know. 
Um, and that's kind of like, I want to do that. Yeah. You know, I feel like I want to just one Friday a month, let's just have a game night where a couple of us are going to be here. If you want to show up, show yeah. up. It can be as big or a little of an event as y'all want to make it. Yeah. But let's come have fun. I think that could be something cool. It could be. Yeah. I think we, as people, need to take the personal-less, personal. Personal initiative? No. No? Um, don't make it about you. And what I mean by that is if no one ends up coming, don't take it personally. Oh, I understand. Yeah. Um. It's not a direct yeah. attack on you, if you will. You know, um, when we were doing lift here mm-hmm. at the church, ladies and ladies fellowship, and fellowship together, together. That's right. Yeah, I used to do that too. I, uh, I got chastised for not sending out a personal handwritten invitation to every woman in the church, even though it was an it was announced, it was sent in the bulletin, it was. You know, it was a big thing. Mm-hmm. You're going to have people who are going to be excited for things, and you're going to have people who are going to find offense in things. That's just how it's going to be. No matter what you do or what you don't do, that's just the road that we travel. Yeah. You And I took that very personally. I took it as a personal attack. Great. I'm not doing things right. I suck at life. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And that was the wrong mindset to have. If yeah. I was doing it for the right reasons, I would not have had that uh, personal heartbreak <laughs> against one person's opinion. Uh, moving back to the article here. Uh, again, the article is entitled <laughs> Churches That Play Together. Stay Together by Courtney Ellis from ChristianityToday.com. Uh, she writes, in the earliest scriptures, the people of God are called to a regular rhythm of work and worship, rest, and play. In addition to the weekly Sabbath, Sabbath celebration, the pen... Uh, oh, gosh. I never know how to pronounce this. Is it pen... Is it Pentioch? I know it's not... I know it's not pronounced how it's spelled. I wasn't watching... I wasn't following along. Anyway. Oh. The... Uh, 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 earlier books of the Bible mentions seven feast days. Uh, after the exile, three more are added. Uh, wedding celebrations commonly lasted a week or more, while some contemporary congregations find play by practicing these feasts of the ancient church and uh, other traditional holy day celebrations. Others are discovering it's even simpler, almost childlike forms. One of the signs of healthy community is laughter and the ability to have fun together. Um... And it also attracts people and speeds up ministry, making it easier and more pleasant. Hospitality is one of the big priorities. So the more, the more examples that they have here are, are people that uh, make sure that they do like camping retreats throughout the summer where they invite everybody, which uh, we've done occasionally. Mm-hmm. We do Paul and Timothy campouts with the men and the, and the boys of the church and stuff like that. Or the youth will go on campouts. Um they have swimming trips. They have uh, trips to amusement parks. <clears throat> One person here says that they uh, occasionally cancel church and all go to a coffee shop instead and just fellowship together. Uh, of course, this would be a smaller church. But still, the fact that they're willing to say, look, the Sabbath doesn't have to be all about come and sit in a pew. Yeah. You know, 
it's about us having this relationship, having this this uh, community mm-hmm. built through this congregation. Uh, we are the church body. It doesn't matter if you're in the church building or not. The church is still meeting exactly. at this coffee shop, uh, which I think is fantastic. I think it'd be an amazing outreach opportunity as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you'd have to be wearing shirts that say your church's name. But <laughs> I'm just in visualizing going to an amusement park with the church, you know, and all of us wearing our shirts and it being a Sunday morning and people being like, whoa, wait a minute. Why is this church at Six Flags on Sunday? <laughs> it's going to bring up conversation. Yeah. It's going to, you know, at least one person is going to say, hey, why are you guys here and not at church? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there doesn't <laughs> always have to be a devotional in the middle of it. <laughs> All right, everybody, we've had fun. We've ridden roller coasters. Let's all meet under the uh, pretzel hut and have a devotional real quick. (laughs) No, because then that becomes a checklist item. Yeah. We can only meet together and do fun things if we're having a devotional. See, we... uh... When our when our new pastor Johnny came in a couple of years ago, he came in right before we had our first or had one of our uh, Awana Grand Prix, which is where Awana kids make their cars, make their little Pinewood Derby cars, and race them. It's a fun time. They have food, they have yep. trophies, all this kind of stuff. Well, he hadn't experienced that yet. He didn't know what his real role was as pastor, so he kind of got up and gave a mini devotional in the middle of it, and. It just felt really out of place. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, we're, we're just having fun. We don't need to <laughs> get all serious now. Uh, which he realized afterwards. Yeah. Like, you know, that probably wasn't the right thing, right way to go. <laughs> and, you know, so this year he didn't. He came and he participated and had fun too and just welcomed everybody. And, yeah. you know, it flowed much better. We don't always have to uh, sit down and get serious about uh, some scripture in order to be honoring God. Yeah. You know, living in community as a church body and celebrating one another, that's honoring God. I mean, that's, that's, that's something that God definitely loves. We have a, (laughs) I, he, um, we have a friend who was an attendee of Celebrate Recovery. I don't know if he still comes or not, but he was of that mindset that every time... Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> every time we got together, we had to we had to have a devotion. It was church. <laughs> yeah. And if you didn't, then you weren't honoring God. What were you even here for? Right. And for me, I, of course, in that moment could not quite articulate it, but I was thinking exactly what you just said. To be together is honoring God. Mm-hmm. To be with each other and just <laughs> doing life together is honoring God. <laughs> but at the same time, how do you argue with somebody who just wants to read the Bible? Like, right. <laughs> without sounding like a total heretic. Yeah. <laughs> no, put that away. We don't need to open that right now. Uh. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. Um, one of the cool things I read in this article here is uh, Agaba Moses, an ordained minister from Uganda, noted that it... it uh, that play hasn't traditionally been a part of his church culture, but that's starting to change because churches in Africa commonly go beyond pulpit preaching and engage Christians in play activities like football, swimming, uh, or drama. 
uh, and they call them secular activities because they're not specifically religious. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they're, you know, anti-church, anti-congregation, yeah. anti-God in any way. Um, yeah, it's... it's uh, The fact, the fact that we tend to, as churches, get so focused on, you know, the Great Commission and all that calls, mm-hmm. we get so focused on the work aspect of it. Think about the missionaries. Don't missionaries engage themselves in the culture? Mm-hmm. Not just the... They don't just go and set up a church and... And that's and where they stay. People. Yeah. yeah. They, they get involved in the community. Yeah. I mean, just like you said with the whole coffee thing... That in itself is an outreach. Yeah. When they see that churches don't just have to be straight-laced, uptight, uh, rule followers, judgmental people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we can have fun. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we need that, too. I mean, that's that's why there's recess in elementary school. Because <laughs> you've got to have... You got to have a break. Yeah. From all the, the seriousness and all the learning. You've got to be able to... Uh, Experience that joy mm-hmm. that, that you're supposed to have as a believer. When we squash our own joy, we're squashing that gift that God has given us through that salvation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Love joy. Joy is the second one on the list. Yeah. <laughs> Love, joy, peace, patience, <laughs> kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. <sighs> joy is right up there. Second after love. Uh, there's a whole lot more to this article, a whole lot more, uh, and a lot more of examples. Uh, I encourage you to go to Christianity Today and check it out. It's Churches That Play Together, Stay Together by Courtney Ellis. Really good article. Really inspiring. Uh, I, you know, I just might start that game night. You're listening to the Back Row Rewind, the best of Matt and Moe. Have you ever heard a nerdy word or phrase that you were positive you should know, but you didn't? We've all been there, feeling like our nerd cred is dropping by the second. Well, fear not. LTN is here to help you hold your own in a nerdy conversation. So pull up an ear and pay attention, because we've got a new nerdy definition for you. Today's term is rage quit. This one might be self-explanatory to some of you, but just in case you're a calm gamer who plays games with other calm gamers, to rage quit is to become so frustrated with how a game is going, you explode with violent anger in a manner that ends the game, intentionally or not. Examples of this would be losing at Madden and throwing your controller into the TV screen, smashing it. Or after a large string of bad luck in a tabletop game, you flip the table in a tantrum. Or even if you are playing a game of basketball and upon your opponent scoring their 18th three-pointer in a row, you punch the wall and break your hand. All of these situations are angry outbursts that force you to quit playing, and usually everyone else too. They are also signs of bad sportsmanship, and likely you need to find a good stress outlet in your life outside of gaming. Of course, we all have bad days and react poorly, but if you found yourself ruining games on a semi-regular basis because you can't keep your anger in check, and I mean this with all sincerity, it might be time to talk to someone about it before it becomes a more commonplace thing in your life. And parents, the next time your teenager gets grounded for throwing his brand new Xbox out the window after coming in second in Fortnite, you'll know exactly what happened. And that 
it might be time for him to lay off the bang energy drinks, because now you understand that reference. Today we're going to be talking about when raw emotion is shown at church. Uh, this comes from an article from Relevant uh, Magazine. Uh, the article is by Scott Sauls. It's called When Cuss Words, Addiction, and Shame Show Up at Church. Uh, and basically I want to start with the, the premise of it, which is a story that I want to read. Uh, that's how the article starts too. Uh, one Sunday at church, a woman named Ann showed up. From the start, it was clear that her life had been shredded up by hard living. Ann explained to our greeters that she was in recovery from an op- opioid addiction, specifically heroin, uh, to which the needle streaks and scars on her arms gave witness. She was barely 30 days sober. The people at the rehab center had encouraged her to add religion to her life, quote unquote, uh, because religious involvement tends to decrease the chances of relapse. On her way to the worship service, Ann dropped her two boys off at the nursery when she returned turned after the service, a woman named Jane broke some bad news to her during the service. Anne's two boys had been aggressive with several of the other children and broke several of the toys. Humbly, Jane said to Anne, I'm so sorry to tell you all this, but I thought that the boys, as the boy's mother, you would want to know. Impulsively, Anne responded by yelling the S word in front of several children and parents. What happened next caused... Uh, this is the, the author of the article. What happened next caused my heart to sink. First, silence. Next, an embarrassed, burning blush rising to Anne's face. Then Anne walking the walk of shame from the nursery and out the door, forlo- forlorn and beaten down. No doubt, uh, for the upteenth time in her life, by the shame and regret and the familiar feeling of failure. Uh <clears throat> It would be easy for our church to recover from this nursery incident with Anne and her boys, but would Anne recover? Could Anne recover from the shame that she carried out the door, the shame of the mother and recovering addict who took a risk, went to church, and bellowed an obscenity in front of all the children? Sadly, probably not. But Jane had an idea. What if she could assure Anne in the same way that the angel of the risen Jesus reassured the once demon-possessed Mary Magdalene? And the coward betrayer, Peter, in Romans 16, 1 through 8. What if roughly 2,000 years after the fact, or not in Romans 16, that's another verse about those, sorry. Uh, What if roughly 2,000 years after the fact, the resurrection story could be uh, reenacted with life-giving, shame-reversing, community-forming words delivered not by an angel, but by Jane, the nursery worker? Jane sent a letter to Anne that read something like this. Dear Anne, it's me, Jane, from the nursery at church on Sunday. I'm writing first to let you know that all is well at the church, no harm done, and the broken toys, no problem. We needed to replace so many of them anyway. But what I really want to do, Anne, is thank you. Thank you for the way that you wore your heart on your sleeve on Sunday. That meant a lot to me because I am often tempted to hide the messy things that agitate my heart. Thank you for being willing to be honest. Your courage to be honest got me thinking, what better place to be honest than church? You remind me that Jesus invites us all to come to him raw and real and to do that together and never alone. I hope to see you again. More than this, I hope we can become friends. Sincerely, Jane. The next Sunday, 
and returned to church. Having limped out the door the previous Sunday, she returned with a spring in her step that said, these are my people and I want their God to be my God too. And her people we became, and our God, the resurrected and living one, Jesus Christ, became her God too. As her newfound faith grew over time, Anne would attest with a smile that she was a beautiful mess, a work in process uh, toward her ultimate completion in Christ. Her presence in our community was so good for all of us. Then, two years after her cussing incident in the nursery, Anne became the nursery director for the church. There you go. A happily ever after story. Right? Yes and no. Several years later, we received a message that was short and heavy. Anne, having been many years sober, had relapsed and died from a heroin overdose. The author writes, Anne reminds us that trusting in the risen Savior is more than a mere intellectual endeavor. It has to be more than intellectual for our faith to mean anything. It has to be visceral from the gut, heart level, and even more than all of these things, true. It has to be true. Because without resurrection, there is no hope for Anne and there is no hope for us. If Christ is not risen, we are of all people the most to be pitied. If Christ is not risen, we are still in our sins and are without hope. And yet Christ is risen indeed. What's more, he is going to return to make all things new. So that is just the start of this article. There's a whole lot more to this uh, that he goes on to uh, talk about. What's his name again? Scott Sauls. Uh, in this article, When Cuss Words, Addiction, and Shame Show Up at Church uh, in Relevant Magazine. <clears throat> but what drew me into this initially was the title. Mm-hmm. I thought, that's got to be about Celebrate Recovery. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, it's not specifically about Celebrate Recovery, but this is a woman who was in recovery for an addiction and was encouraged to add church, add religion, quote unquote, is what she was encouraged to um, because it does kind of protect or help protect against relapse to have that community around you. But, I mean, what, what's your initial thought? I guess I want to get your raw thoughts on that first. I love everything about this article. How this was handled? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there is that feeling of when you're not, when you're at church and you're not perfect there is that feeling of shame mm-hmm. and condemnation but at the same time it's a it's a displaced shame but one that everybody feels because if we're all being honest we're at church because we're messed up <laughs> we're not at church because we're perfect mm-hmm. you know what i mean the people who feel that they're perfect are the ones who are sitting at home on sundays <laughs> For the most part, it's those of us who know that we are hurting, we know we're broken, we know we've messed up, we know we all around, for the most part, suck at life. And if if there are people in your church who feel like they're perfect, they're just in denial, which means they're definitely not perfect. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And that's, Uh. I am, for me, that's what I love about Celebrate Recovery, and it's... I've said it so many times. It is what church is supposed to be at Mm -hmm. its core. It is a bunch of broken people who openly and willingly admit that they're broken, but we don't stay broken. We work together as a community to lift each other up, encourage each other, and to become healed through our higher power. Yeah. 
And see, I think uh, back when we were doing the podcast, we had an episode where we talked about cussing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about it specifically brought up because of some certain music artists have used cuss words. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Rubin has used cuss words in his recent album, which got it banned from Christian Airwaves. Uh, P.O.D. used mm-hmm. the F word in one of their songs, but they blurred it out. But it was still clear that that right. was the song. I mean, that was the word. Um, and it came to the point where when is it okay to be visceral? When is it okay to be honest with how we're feeling and react the way that we would react? Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know that we're messed up. We all know that we're sinners. We all know that we are are struggling some, from time to time worse than any other points in our lives. And we're not, you know, it's not to condone cussing, but sometimes with raw emotion... That might be the only expression that we have. Yeah. And I I feel like there's a big difference between casual cussing, mm-hmm. like the stuff that you start hearing in junior high school mm-hmm. as <laughs> children start figuring out these words exist, mm-hmm. and like genuine visceral reactions. Because that's essentially the only time I cuss either, which is very rare. Yeah. And... I can almost always stifle it when I'm in front of people. Yeah. But when I'm by myself, uh, if I'm going to have a visceral reaction, I'm probably going to use a cuss word. Yeah. And I think a lot of us are like that when we're alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that, especially in situations where we're beaten down like this, like Anne felt, mm-hmm. I don't think that God is hearing her say that cuss word. And the only thing God's thinking is, well, that was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think God thought that at all, to be totally honest. Right. I think because... Um, God's, not, why is, God's not a rule book. <laughs> exactly. And I, I don't know why it's a running theme this week for me to keep going back to the the big picture of things. But we as a... You know, if I were standing there picking up my kids at the nursery and I heard this woman who had never been in the church before throw out the S word and just so flippantly, I'm only seeing that small portion. Mm -hmm. Whereas God sees Anne as the recovering addict who is really uncomfortable, is stepping out of her comfort zone to go to church. Yep. Is dropping off her kids. And listen, and. Maybe it's because of the history with Celebrate Recovery, but I'm thinking of some of our ladies who come to the program mm-hmm. and, you know, they have gone through a, um, like an outpatient rehab. Yeah. Okay. And they haven't seen their kids in months, six months for many of them. This could be Anne's first week back with her kids. It could be her first month with her kids, mm-hmm. you know, and she's uncomfortable letting anybody really watch her kids or, you know what I mean? These kids have dealt with addiction with their mom. So of course their behavior in the nursery is destructive. Yeah. You know, they're dealing with their own emotional things and drops them off reluctantly. One, because she doesn't want to leave her kids and two, because she knows that they're kind of going through some behavioral things. It's probably not going to go good. She goes and sits down in the sanctuary. She's feeling uncomfortable the entire time. (laughs) 
She gets up to go get her kids. She's just ready to leave, and she gets bad news. Yeah. She Her worst fear is revealed, and what the crap? <laughs> she throws out the S word. You know, in that moment, I can't imagine her having any other real reaction. Yeah. And in that moment, all that I can think is God looking down with grace and mercy and every ounce of him just wanting to wrap his arms around Anne and say, it's okay. Mm -hmm. And see, I think, I think that we, we kind of force ourselves into a kind of double standard as Christians in that when we're talking about salvation, we always want to say, well, it's not a religion or a a rule book. It's a relationship Mm -hmm. with God. But then once you become a Christian, if you're not following all these rules, suddenly it's a rule book again. Suddenly it's a religion. Suddenly it's doctrine, this doctrine, that, and not a relationship that you're building with God, not a, a, uh, a journey that God is taking you on through life and Mm -hmm. seeing your ups and downs and preparing you for better. It's not that anymore. Now it's, are you living exactly how I think the Bible says you should be living? Right. And that's such a dangerous place for us to get into. And that's been the cause of several of our problems, both, you know, locally, individually and nationally and worldwide is that we get too bogged down in what the perfect Christian is supposed to be that we don't realize there's no such thing. There is no perfect Christian. Yeah. And that will never be. Yeah. Why can't we focus on the things that are important and not the minutia, the little garbage Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean anything in the long run that frankly, you don't know anything about in Mm -hmm. that person's life. Yeah. Um, There's a movie, one of the, one of the very few Christian movies that have been made that I actually really like. And not necessarily for the production value, even though the production value is still higher than most Christian movies, but because of the message that it sent. It has two cuss words in it. And that shook me, first of all. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? Yeah. I didn't expect that. Yeah. Uh, this, uh, By the way, the guy who started it is Michael W. Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's not some faux non-Christian thing that pretended to be a Christian thing. This was a legit story. Yeah. And it's about an inner city church that is a sister church to a big mega church Mm -hmm. that is eventually going to get torn down. That's the goal. The mega church wants to tear it down, build a new sister church, build uh, rebuild that church, but it's going to be built like off out of the inner city area and they don't want to move. Yeah. They want to reach the, the gangs and the people in the inner city. And so this movie has a lot of raw emotion in it from the pastor of that inner city church. Um, and Michael Levy Smith is playing the son, which is also a associate pastor of the mega church pastor guy. And he's going down there to basically learn how to be in the position he's supposed to be in. And one of the scenes is between the janitor of the church, who's a bit handicapped, not not so badly, but it's clear that he is a little bit mentally slow uh, in the movie. And one of the guys who helps run some of the youth programs, but who used to be in a gang and his little brother had gotten into a gang and was trying to get out. And so he went And basically, you have to be jumped out of this gang, which is where they beat the junk out Mm -hmm. of you. Uh, And he went and he took the beating for his brother. Mm. Well, when he came back, uh, he 
he uh the janitor asked him you know did it hurt and he was still you know this had just happened he was still irritable and raw about mm-hmm. it and he said yeah it hurt like he double hockey sticks mm-hmm. you know he but he only said it and the janitor's first response the janitor guy was jesus doesn't like it when we swear mm. and later in the movie they did a whole foot washing scene where these people had been bickering all this time and finally laid down their their garbage and apologized and was washing each other's feet and the janitor stepped up and took and came and as very emotional moment where he said i was more worried about the words you said than than how you felt and i'd never been beaten up like that and i had no right to say that to you mm. and it was just heartbreaking and i cry every time i want i want to cry right now <laughs> uh it was heartbreaking but so beautiful and mm. that that's exactly how we should be thinking about these situations yeah is stop stop like jumping to being the judge right away like we get it we understand that that uh, sometimes your life is so great and you want to be able to boss everybody else around, but that's not our role. And you're going to sneeze. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I really didn't want to do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, that's not our role to be be uh, the church lady all the time. Yeah. Mm. But, yeah, it's just we've got to be able to connect with people where they're at. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the most beautiful story of a reaction to that situation because mm-hmm. uh, of course i completely understand the original reaction too where they well, yeah, were they were taken shocked back. taken aback and didn't know how to react exactly because that doesn't happen a lot at church mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i get that but how they handled it afterwards fantastic yeah. and they showed he he listed out exactly what that did how that got her back in that church the very next sunday how she realized that this is where she belongs she got involved and she even got involved with the nursery yeah i think that is absolutely beautiful heartbreaking at how our story ended but that's how addiction yeah. gets us sometimes yeah. um it's 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 really hard to escape that forever um, and that's something that Mo and I have seen through mm-hmm. Celebrate Recovery. You know, some some people can stick it out right away. Some people have to keep trying. Some people go away and come back, uh, have to get in trouble again or, or fall off again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I myself relapsed several times, but I, I was fortunate enough to have the willpower <laughs> from God to stay in the program and not abandon the program. Uh, and it eventually took hold in me, but mm-hmm. it's... Uh, yeah, that that is heartbreaking. But imagine what what I, the only thing I'm thinking about with that is if they hadn't reached out to her, mm-hmm. that could have happened that week. She could have died. Oh, that absolutely, week absolutely. Because that could have been the one thing that pushed her over the edge yeah. back into relapse. Mm-hmm. Is the shame that she walked away feeling that day because of her reaction? Absolutely. For one moment of weakness that she showed in front of these people. And it would have been a lot easier for Jane the nursery worker, to have not written the letter. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm sure that was an eternal, eternal, internal <laughs> battle. Struggle with her. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do I write this? Do I not write this? I don't Do know this lady. Do and not address yeah. this? Yeah. yeah. Is it going to cause more problems that I bring it up and I, you know? Mm-hmm. But for her to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit and to write that letter, I think that's something that we as believers and mature believers need 
to do more of. Yeah. To not doubt and second guess. Wait, is that is that me or is that God? <laughs> what am I supposed to do here? I don't, you know, because it just like you said, that can be the one thing that that person is needing that's going to determine their next step. Mm-hmm. Are they going to walk forward to Christ or are they going to turn around and walk to their comfort zone and what they've always known? Yeah. You know. Absolutely. I just I so I was Anne a few years ago at the Awana Derby. And I've told this story before, so we won't go into too much detail about it. But I, and I remember, I obviously didn't cuss, but I got in kids' faces that were not my kids and screamed at them in front of a room full of people. And I remember that guilt and shame, that immediate, oh, what did I just do? You know, like... Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> this, this was a bad reaction. Yeah. I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know how to respond. And if I'm being totally honest, we may have switched churches way back then. Had it not been for the parent of those children who I yelled at coming alongside me and loving me and saying, it's okay. It is perfectly okay. It's going to be all right. Oh, man. So... Yeah. yeah. Well, there is a lot, lot more to this article. Like I said, this was just the beginning uh, of it. Uh, go check it out on relevantmagazine.com. Uh, it is When Cuss Words, Addiction, and Shame Show Up at Church by Scott Sauls. Really good story, really good article all around. Uh, a lot more for you to discover there. Uh, so go check that out.